Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back to another very, 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 did I say very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. I hope you are having an amazing summer and have been enjoying the uh, last few weeks of Soul Talk interviews and inspiration. Uh, I'm really excited about my guest today. Uh, I think I say that every time, but I I really am. Uh, I've long respected uh, the man I'm about to introduce you today. Some of you may know of him. It may be uh, many of your first time being introduced to his work. Uh, I read his book, uh, Waking Up in Time, and uh, a few years ago, From Science to God, which was really, really powerful. Uh, So you're in for a treat. Uh, He is a leading thinker on consciousness and contemporary spirituality. And uh, I think we're going to dive deep today. Uh, His new book, Letting Go of Nothing, is out now, August 2021. Folks, I hope you're ready for the amazing Peter Russell. Peter, welcome to Soul Talk. Thank you. Thank you. Really looking forward to being here with you. Uh, I've been I've been really looking forward to this and uh, just just the opportunity to uh, extract some wisdom and share it with everyone. And, uh, you know, I'm always curious, um, especially for those that may not know of you or your work yet. Um, I, I'm always fascinated, though, in terms of people's origins and you know, how they got to be who they are. And I'm curious, like, about people's childhoods. And were, were there, like, what was your journey? I, I mean, you went yeah. from sort of atheist to spirituality, and I really loved the From Science to God journey. And, like, what, what like, tell me a bit about childhood and, and things that influenced you then and, 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 and a bit of the progression that, that moves you from, you know, uh, one perspective to now contemporary spirituality. And I, I'd love to just know a bit of that journey and how maybe some of your childhood may have influenced that. Yes, yes. Um, as a child, I loved math. I mean, my father actually was interested in math. And he, so um, I sort of absorbed something of that from my father. But I was always interested in math in some way or another. And that was through my teenage years. And I went to university to study math. But I was also interested in physics, the world, how things work, that sort of thing. I was, I was a budding scientist. And I had no interest whatsoever in religion or spirituality. To me, it was a load of mumbo-jumbo from the past that had no relevance to the present day. And I remember about age 13, I was went through the pr- process of confirmation. I mean, in those days, you know, in England, we all basically Church of England, you go through the process of confirmation and realizing 
the Nicene Creed was something I was meant to believe in. It was a creed. You know, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, etc. I can still spout it. Mm. I thought it's how you just chanted, but no, no, I was meant to sign off on this. And I thought, I cannot sign off on this. Mm. And I said to my parents, no way. And they said, that's okay. And that was the last time I went to church, um, except for the odd, you know, wedding or funeral or something. Um, so I, I, I completely dismissed religion. Um, and as I continued in my studies in maths and theoretical physics, and I was now at university in Cambridge, and I realized this wasn't going to answer the fundamental question which I was really interested in, which was around consciousness. I was interested in why are we conscious? Because there's nothing in contemporary science that predicts that any of us should ever have an internal subjective experience of being aware. Mm. And yet it's the one thing we cannot deny. The one thing we absolutely know for sure is that we are here aware, conscious beings. And this seemed a huge problem in science that it couldn't predict this. And so I moved into experimental psychology, neuroscience, hoping that would answer the question. And they weren't particularly interested in this. I learned a lot about the brain and neurons and all that stuff. And then I realized the people who were really been exploring consciousness were the, the yogis, the saints, the monks, who mm. basically sat in meditation to look inside their minds and realized that was the way you study consciousness, not by putting electrodes on the brain, but right. by actually looking firsthand at your own consciousness. So that got me interested in Eastern philosophy and meditation. And I went out to India to study more there. And I think two things happened there. One, I realized there was something to, I would say to spirituality rather than mm. religion, that all of spirituality in some way or another is saying we aren't living our full conscious potential. Um, that's because we're stuck in egoic modes of thinking or materialist ways of thinking. And they develop practices that were designed to free us up, to, to wake us up. And I began to see that, you know, deep down, that was there inside every single religion. And so I began mm -hmm. to see, yes, not so much there is something to religion, but there had been something that had sparked all the great religions, and it was to do with this. And so I started really becoming interested in, in what it was that was there. So that, that was the turning point. It's like, oh, I'd rejected religion, but hang on. There's something really important here deep down. And the other thing I realized was that if you look at all the problems we're facing, personal, social, global problems, whatever it is, most of them come back in one way or another to our thinking, to our egocentricity, to our uh, love of power, whatever it is. They're psychological problems deep down. And so I began to see that you know, what the spiritual traditions were getting at was actually going to be really valuable in the world today. And so that became my motivation for basically my life since then, which in one way or another has been exploring consciousness myself, sharing what I've discovered with other people, looking mm -hmm. at how it's of value in the world. And, you know, that led me into writing books. And here I am now talking to you. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Um, you talk about consciousness. Uh, you know, that word is thrown around a lot in spiritual terms, yes? Consciousness, yes, yes. consciousness pure consciousness. We are consciousness, you know? Yeah. And it, it's like 
can you define what the hell that means? You mean by consciousness? Because we hear pure consciousness, you are consciousness. But then again, like if I'm just awake, then I'm conscious. So right, yeah. You know, like like what 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 is consciousness, and what do we mean by (laughs) conscious and consciousness? Is conscious different from consciousness? And break it down. Yes, this is a really important question because the word is bandied around so much. Consciousness is a noun, obviously. So we think it's a thing, we, you know, it's something in the world. But basically, when you add N-E-S-S to a word, you're basically taking an adjective and you're making an abstract noun to talk about it. So, you know, we talk about happiness. Happiness is the state of being happy or, you know, softness is the quality of being soft. But that doesn't exist on its own. What does exist is, you know, happy or soft or whatever. We know what that is. And it's the same with consciousness. Consciousness isn't a real, isn't anything. It's just an abstract noun we use to talk about the fact that we are conscious. So consciousness is really referring to the state of being conscious. So what I try to do is steer people away from thinking of it as a noun, as something to understand. But it's the fact that each and every one of us is conscious. As I said earlier, it's the one thing we cannot deny, that we are aware that we are conscious. So I prefer to use conscious as opposed to consciousness. Or for me, I use being aware in a, in a similar way. We are, each of us is, is aware. And then all that we know, all that we experience, all that we know, all that we understand, all of that is appearing to us. It, it, that's where we might use the word awareness. It's appearing in our awareness. It's something we are aware of. So that's, that's how I break the term down. I don't see it as something out there to be discovered or gained or whatever. We can't get conscious. We are conscious. Uh-huh. We can't get conscious. We are conscious. Yes. Yeah. Mm. What can change is what we are conscious of. Like my values may change, that sort of thing. So I may be, I may become more conscious of environmental issues, say. That just means that my attention is focused on that more. So my my what I'm conscious of is more geared towards that. But we don't in ourselves become more conscious. We are conscious, period. Mm. Is is and I'm gonna Peter, forgive me because I'm gonna ask some like real basic questions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just just for the layman, right? And yeah. so awareness, conscious are they different? Um, for me, I don't distinguish a lot between being conscious and being aware. I use the words okay. basically the same. Other people do make a distinction, and there's different sorts of distinctions. So for me, I use the words basically the same. I, I don't draw a distinction mm. for me. But as I say, other, other, many other people do in different ways as well. So, so conscious... I don't know. This, this, you're gonna to have to forgive me in this interview, Peter. But oh, please, please. I, I've got you here, and I, I want to ask you these questions. Yeah, I, yeah. I think you can break them down. What, what? So, we are all conscious, right? Whether you are, you know, the great Maharishi, or whether you're Pablo Escobar, right? We're all conscious. Is that is yes? That, so we, we've got that clear. That being the case, um, what? Well, I guess, what is conscious? 
what is it that's conscious? Ah, <laughs> that, this is where this is where it gets tricky. Um, technically, I mean, you might say, you know, I am conscious. Mm. But, but so, but then what does I refer to? You know, yes, that's, I, that's, that's when we get deeper into I, the I is how we label being conscious. Mm. You know, we say, you know, I am conscious, but that that is not really saying much more because what when we say I deep down beyond all the superficial, you know, identity stuff, but that sense of I that's always there all through our life is that sense of I here being aware of my experience, my thoughts, whatever. So it's not so much that I am conscious. It's really, I mean, the most fundamental level, it's like there is being conscious. Mm. Um, I mean, I sometimes <laughs> like to say it almost as a verb, there is awareing going on. It, it's, it's an activity, there is awareing, but it's not... It's, it's a very tricky question, but basically, it, it, I'm just saying being, being aware is absolutely fundamental. And when we say who is aware, we're actually drawing a distinction between me and being aware. And yet, mm. what I'm saying is being aware is us. That's what we are. We are aware. Mm. But sometimes it seems as though we're not aware that we're aware? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Most of the time. Right. So, so <laughs> why is that? Because if you're saying we are aware, right. but so many of us, we're, you know, we're lost. It seems like we're yeah. lost. Oh, yes. Lost. Yes, I, we are. And that's because that's to do with attention. Attention. Uh -huh. You see, I think of attention as the spotlight of awareness. It's like mm. where there's always something that our awareness is directed towards, sometimes focused on very specifically, sometimes in a very relaxed way, but there's always some focus, some spotlight of awareness. And most of the time, the focus is on what we're doing, what we're thinking, what we should do, what happened yesterday, is this right, is this not right, etc., etc. Our attention is focused out onto the world. And so we, what we notice is what we're aware of. And mm. that's probably for most people, that's, and I know, you know, it is for me a lot of the time, that's where our focus is, is on what is happening in our experience. So we don't actually pause to actually be aware that we are aware. Mm. And I think that's part of what, you know, part of what the mystical spiritual traditions are pointing towards is just saying, you know, notice you know notice that you are aware become aware that you are aware it's like ah when we do that it's like ah yes here i am here i am aware of all this i've been lost in my thought about this or that or whatever it is and it's like we just pause for a moment and come back and say ah yes here here i am mm -hmm. so i think yeah but we're not most, you're absolutely right. Most of the time, I think I'd even say for some people, their whole lives, they're actually not yes. aware of being aware. They may know it intellectually, but they don't actually pause to notice the fact. Mm. So you talk about, I really like that, that to be aware that we're aware. Is, is there something that's aware that we're aware? 
or, 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 or is it just a point of attention? Uh, again, there is no, you know, if we really get down to detail, I don't think there is something that is aware. Yes. But that, that awareness can be aware of itself. Mm, explain more about that, because I think that yeah, might be more like, how, how is awareness aware of itself? Well, if we take the fact, you know, that I, I am aware as a fact, you know, I am aware right now, I'm aware of my experience and talking to you and what I'm seeing out the window and all that. And then we pause just for a moment. We just pause and say, let me just, you know, step back from that. Here, here I am being aware. I, it is me as an as awareness me as being aware being mm. aware of being aware and it's just like in a way there's nothing to it it's just like ah oh, yes it's mm. so it's not a even the idea of a being is something in the mind it's something you know when we when we talk about this if i mean all we're talking about now is is another experience arising in our mind so it's more phenomena that we are aware of so there is strictly, you know, the, it may sound strange, but there is no being separate from awareness. Mm. So you can't say, is there a being that is aware? There is no being separate from awareness. There is just this being aware. And then everything else is what we are aware of. Mm. Mm. You know, so we're aware of our body here. You know, I, right now I can yes. experience my, I can see it, feel it. That there is a body here. And so we, we tend to think, ah, this is me, the body, mm. and this body is aware. But that's actually not what's happening. There is being aware, and in my being aware is the experience of a body. Mm. Could you say that again? Uh, that was really on point. Right. You know, we, we think the body is aware, but what there really is is there is being aware right here now, being aware, and in my being aware is the experience of a body, which I can feel, touch, see. And so the, the body is a sense, what we call I as a physical being is, is another appearance in our being aware. So what I'm saying is we can't make a distinction between me as a body that is being aware. It's more that there is just being aware and the body is appearing in that being aware. Mm. We're getting really, you said we're going to go deep. We are getting deep. I hope it's not mm. too misleading or not, uh, whatever it is, confusing. The, the, the body is uh, an appearance in the awareness. Right. And, that's, and just to be clear here, I'm not saying bodies don't exist or anything like that. Mm. Clearly, clearly they do. But what we know of the body is what we experience it, how we experience it. Mm. Mm, got it. How, you know, just for someone who might be, let's say, beginning on, on the path, uh, before we keep going deeper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I've got you here, Peter. I've been waiting for years, man. And so uh, what can someone do or this? Is there anything that a, a person can do to begin cultivating more awareness just, uh, you know, it, it, maybe they're not a yogi. They're not particularly going to go to India or sit with a guru, but they'd like to, you know, what are some things they can do to start cultivating some more awareness? In right. the, on a daily yeah. basis? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
the basic thing that I really recommend to people is really a very, very, very simple meditation, really. But the way I phrase it is just the word pause, not as it's dog, P-A-U-S-E, to pause. And I just suggest to people, many times a day, whenever it occurs to you, I actually, I actually leave notes around the house to remind me, just to pause for a moment. And, you know, between doing emails and something else or while the kettle's boiling, whatever it is, just to pause. And in that pause, first of all, to notice where your mind is. It's probably going all over the place, whatever it is, or what you were last doing, what you need to do next, or whatever it is, what's the weather going to be. To pause the thinking, just to say, hang on, let me just not follow that thought anymore for the moment. To just pause the thinking and then to notice how it feels to pause. And when you do that, it usually is a sense of ease, a sense of relief, sometimes a sense of lightness. There's just this feeling of, ah, when you pause the thinking, you just come back to this sense of, ah, yes, you're coming back to yourself. And then, and then in that, to, that pause, in that sense of ease, relief, just noticing, and here I am, here I am. Mm. The aware being that was caught up in the thinking, that is now aware of how it feels. But just coming back to just noticing, here I am, being aware. And, you know, 10 seconds later, a minute later, you're off again. And that, mm -hmm. and so for me, it's think, to just do this many, many times, whenever, whenever it occurs to you, just to pause. And then pause what you're, first of all, pause what you're doing. And then to pause what you are thinking because it's our thinking that takes up the attention to pause what you are thinking and then coming back to notice how that feels in the moment just to be pausing notice how that feels as if it's usually a sense of ease something like that relief greater peace and then in that just to notice here i am mm -hmm. mm, and you know to begin with it may not be a very clear experience of here i am but but just doing it it becomes more and more familiar mm, mm, love that in terms of awareness being conscious, um, is there a difference, or what is, is there a difference, or what is the difference between, you know, the great uh, enlightened masters we hear about, you know, Ramana Maharishi and yeah. Maharishi Maharishi Yogi, and you know, if we are all awareness or we are conscious, is is there a difference in the quality of awareness? Or what is the difference in the quality of awareness between, let's say, you know, Jim Brown or average yeah, person yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. the great ones? Right. Good. Um, on one, in one respect, no difference. We let every wow. being, every being, in one respect, every being is conscious. So it isn't that one is more conscious, although we use that term, but we are all aware. The difference is what goes on in our awareness, what we are conscious of. And I've been saying how most of us, you know, we get caught up in our thoughts, whatever. And when we look at it, most of that thinking is around ourselves, around our own survival or identity. The person who's, let's say, woken up now is not dominated, governed by what I call the ego mind, that concern about myself, how am I doing, what are people thinking of me, et cetera, et cetera. So, 
their mind is not disturbed by all that unnecessary thinking. There's, you know, there's thinking there, but what is necessary. As a result, they can be at peace in themselves. So much of our thinking is actually disturbing our own peacefulness, our own contentment. So, you know, the great, I would say the great mystic, the great yogi is they're at peace in themselves most of the time. They're at peace, they're content, and because of that, I think their heart is much more open. They're much more compassionate towards other people because they're not caught up in self-centered judgments, etc. So the difference is, is, is in the quality of their experience, how they feel. And, you know, if you're feeling much more at peace and loving, you're naturally going to want to say, hey, guys, you know, I've just noticed if I do this, I let the mind become quiet and do this, it feels a lot better. Why don't you try it? And I think, you know, that's the motivation for a lot of these people, the great teachers. They'd come out and said, hey, you know, we, we can be, we can be at peace inside. Um, we can be more open hearted. We cannot be, you know, continually governed by the egoic mind and all its thinking. So to me, that's the difference is, is how, what we are aware of. And instead of being aware of all these self-centered thoughts, we are aware of, ah, here I am, basically deep inside, touching that inner peacefulness that's there. Mm. I love what we are aware of. Yeah. And so what is enlightenment? <laughs> because there's so much you know, oh mis yes 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 misconceptions yes, yes. right and uh, we look at the great yogi and the, yeah, yeah, the goal of yeah. the spiritual path and uh, yeah you know yeah. so can you like what so, so now we're talking about consciousness and the word so, so what is enlightenment what is enlightenment i'd, I'd like to ban the word basically oh. <laughs> <laughs> i tell you why because you know, we read about it. And I went through this myself when I first started getting interested in this. I started reading all these texts and things. I thought, oh, enlightenment is going to be this wonderful, amazing, mm -hmm. ecstatic state that I'm going to find and discover something is going to be added to me. It's going to be a wonderful discovery. And as I've gone on through life, it's like, no, 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 it's much, much simpler. It's much, much simpler than that. Wow. It's just, It's just this sense of being free in oneself so it's not that anything has changed you haven't gained anything it's more you've let go of something you've let go of all this um the, str the striving of the ego mind gets into the wanting this wanting that avoiding this you've let go of that and so as i said before you're able to be more at peace and for me there's a sort of another meaning of enlightenment is that we feel lighter we become yes. lighter inside and so that's the feel we feel lighter we're more at touch with ourselves so it it's not that some amazing new we've got some amazing new experience we've dropped all the stuff that was keeping us away from just being in touch with ourselves mm. with our true nature mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there's so many misconceptions that we have. So many. And the result is we all go chasing it. I mean, I did. We go chasing it. If I do this, if I do this practice or really do this or, you know, if you, if for the, the Eightfold Path of Buddha, you speak right, do this, you do this, yes. you do this, you will get enlightened. And so we go chasing it. And I think what, you know, people realize, you know, as, as they go on, it's like, hang on, no, it's not something to be chased. It's, it's more just it will appear as as we 
as we relax, as we let the mind relax, it's like, ah. And that, you know, that became more and more my experience as I was, you know, when I go on a meditation retreat and just really let the mind really settle down for long periods, it would always be, ah, this is what they were talking about. Ah, it's something so familiar. And I really, there really was nowhere to get to. It's right here. But all that trying to get somewhere is part, ironically, part of trying to get somewhere is actually part of what's preventing us from just noticing it, from just, mm. be, from just being in ourself. Part of what of trying to get somewhere is part of what prevents us yes. from being in ourselves. So it, how does that, as I hear that, you know, someone might be saying, well, then Peter, what, why bother meditate, right? Why, right. Why, why, why with all this spiritual seeking and reading and practice, if that's the case, why don't I, why don't I just go to the beach and just live, hang out and, and, yep. and just, you know, have a margarita, pina colada, just live life, enjoy the sun. And, and why bother with this whole uh, spiritual <laughs> seeking trip you know yeah yeah can, can you can you speak to that like is it i guess part of the question then is also that is spiritual spiritual practice even necessary then? again it's, it's interesting it's, it's it's paradoxical in a way mm -hmm. because yes we I mean, let's take myself, my own, my own life. You know, I've done a lot of, quote, spiritual practice, meditation. Um, first of all, thinking I was going to get somewhere. And gradually that led me to the realization that, no, we don't need to do all this practice. But the paradox is we need to follow a path and do all this in order to come to the realization that you don't need to do it. So we, but that realization comes from the experience. It's not an intellectual realization. It comes right. from, right. you know, as we, as we, you know, practice our path, let's say it's meditation or something else, or, you know, for some people it's service, letting go of the ego, whatever it is, we, we come to that experience of letting go. And it's like, ah, oh, mm. you know, here, here I am. We realize there is nothing to do except there was a lot to do to get us to the point of realizing there was nothing to do. <laughs> it's, I mean, somebody once, one teacher I know said, the point of all techniques is to bring you to the point of realizing you don't need a technique. Mm. And, and, you know, for maybe someone who's, you know, permanently aware, enlightened, they may, you know, they're probably, I don't know if I'm not there, but I imagine they're just, you know, they're there in that state. And then you're still functioning in the world. You're still thinking, making decisions, but they're no longer governed by the, what I call the ego mind. You're making decisions according to what is needed from you, from the environment, from other people. It's not, you're not so self-centered. You're more just centered on what is, what is needed from, from you, from other people. It's, it's a very different way of operating. But there was something else I was going to touch on here. Um, It'll probably come back in a moment. It's yeah, yeah. yeah let, let's continue. I may <laughs> may flash back in a moment. Yeah, just just you know, because now now now, 
I'm also curious to hear then, as as is still connected to the question, is is this whole idea of spirituality, right? Uh, and, yeah. and 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 in our culture today, like you know, I live in the U.S. and you know, spirituality has become quite loaded now, and yes. and you know, you got to do this and wear this and this bead and that and da, 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 right. all yeah. these yeah. things, and so. From your perspective, what, what I guess what is what is spirituality and authentic spirituality, and are there any uh, misconceptions of what we we've been conditioned to think spiritual right, is? Right, right. I think we've touched on some of the misconceptions. I think there's a lot of other ones. You know, the misconception about enlightenment being somewhere to get to, as opposed to something that is revealed to us in ourselves. Um, spirituality yeah there's so much so much talk about it and probably almost you know there's a hundred different definitions or you know depending which tradition you are in for me i like to come back to the the root meanings of words you know spirit comes from the latin spiritus which actually means vapor you know that's why you know whiskey is a spirit it's the vapor that's condensed and for me it's like the Vapor is the non-material. So the spirit is the exploration of the non-material side of life. The, and so that, to me, it's the exploration of being conscious, consciousness. It's the inner exploration of our inner world. And so a lot of the techniques that people practice, I see ultimately are techniques to help us explore our own consciousness, to explore our own inner world. And I see the ultimate goal of all these practices is to free us up inwardly, mm. to, to liberate us from, from our you know, full sense of self or, or all our imagined needs or social conditioning, to free us up inside. So that's how I see spirituality. It's a Ultimately, it's an inner exploration with the goal of creating inner freedom. Mm, mm, mm. I'm reflecting on on what you said earlier. Still, it's it's really stuck with me that we are all conscious. We are all we are all aware, right? And it triggered a thought then of another question. Then, what is or how do we see, or how do you see, God? All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm throwing a few questions at you, Peter. No, 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 no. no. I didn't what, 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 what is God? What, what you is, know? Like, what, what is God? Is, is, is God awareness? Like, what, what is God? Right, you know? right, like, right. We, we, like, we yeah. pray, like, we pray to God. Now, now as I'm hearing you, it's like, is there any point of praying to Oh, anything? yes, 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 yes. <laughs> we should, we've got another half hour to go on this one. <laughs> uh, um, yes, okay. I, I'm sure I'll be treading on some people's toes here. But, go for it. But for me, for yes. me, the way I'm approaching it in several ways, but you know, one way of looking at it is God is the essence of everything. Mm. And I, I think the essence of everything is being aware. It's, the, it's our universal essence. We are all the same in that way. We are all aware. And so I think God 
is a label we have put on to this fact of being of being aware. Um, I know you mentioned Ramana Maharshi earlier. I mean, one, one of my favorite quotes of Ramana Maharshi is, I am is the name of God. Mm, I am is I the am. So that experience of I am, which is the fundamental, you know, that's the fundamental way we know of being conscious is just ah, I am. Here I am. The sense of I am is our connection with the divine. And that's that's universal. And it's the same for every one of us. You know, when I when I come back to that sense of ah, I am, here I am, being aware. There is, there is no distinction, I believe, between how that is for me and how it is for you and how it is for everyone else. Mm. I don't know what it's like to be you in your own life and all your experience and all of that stuff. You know, I get a little bit, but I do know what it's like for you in your essential nature that I am aware. So for me, God is, is the way that's been translated into culture and you see most almost all cultures they're they're materialistic in one way or another they're not they're, we don't live in enlightened awakened cultures but right. awakening occurs but some individual has an awakening and then that awakening is actually translated back into the culture and so mm -hmm. if you have this you know one day something happens you know this it can often happen completely out of the blue for no reason something happens you let go you're looking at the sky and it's like ah you just let go and ah here i am now you know if you're a buddhist you may translate that as ah that's my it, that's my buddha nature that's my true you know being aware but if you're you know a christian monk in a monastery you might say ah i have you know, I have touched God. I have touched some external being or something. So mm -hmm. it's like, I think that's how we translate this universal experience, you know. And, you know, different cultures, different religions will translate in different ways. But we then, because the word God is around in our culture, as some external being mm -hmm. or something or some external force or entity or energy, whatever it is, separate from ourselves then when we have this it's called awakening experience it is easy to then feel i you know i have been touched by god or i have contacted god or i something with this external being as opposed to ah i have reconnected with my own essence which is the divine essence i call it the divine oh. essence rather than god and that's why i think the word has you know, and it's got so many different meanings. You know, when people say, do you believe in God? I say, well, first of all, what do you mean by God before I answer that? <laughs> yeah. So that, that's, how I, that's how I approach the word. Mm. And I love that. Yeah. Mm. So it's not, in a way, it's not getting, it's not, you know, removing God from the world or my experience, but it's like, it's a different way of seeing it and it's mm. a much more it's a much more personal way of in terms of my own my own experience and it you know it, it is as i said before it leads to an opening of the heart 
Yes. When we let go of the ego mind, our hearts are there. I think our hearts are already open. It's just when we're stuck in our thinking, we can't notice our hearts. And so, you know, one common factor of, you know, look at almost everybody who's had some awakening is just like, ah, oh, you know, there's a heart opening. I felt, I felt love for everything. You know, love is such a common theme in this. Almost every single tradition, it's there. And, you know, so the, the idea of, you know, God is love. Yes, mm. that our essential nature is one of love, but it gets covered up by all the other stuff we get involved in. So we don't notice it. Yeah, yeah. So something like a spiritual practice that people might, you know, uh, universally uh, practice, like a prayer, for instance. Yes. Is, is there? Yep. Is there value in prayer? Because the way prayer is typically done is, you know, we pray to a God outside of ourselves, and you know, dear God in heaven, blah blah yep. blah. And so, I guess what what is true prayer? Right, right, right. Um, let's forget true prayer. <laughs> what, what is prayer for me? Yes. Um, so if we take the idea of what we're talking about is my own internal being. What I, what I, what I pray for is not intervention in the world. Mm. Which is what we normally do is, please, God, can you just heal this person, sort this out, bring the, whatever it is. We, we're praying to God out there to intervene in the world. What I pray for is an intervention in my mind. Because if there's something that's not working out for me, it's almost invariably because I am stuck in a certain way of seeing it. I'm stuck, mm. you know, I'm, I'm caught up in worry or fear or whatever it is I'm, I'm caught up in a particular way of seeing it and so the way what prayer is for me is to simply ask is to be quiet to do that thing i was talking about pausing to be quiet to step out of the thinking mode to come back and then just to ponder not even ponder the question but just lay the seed mm. could there be another way of seeing this now what i'm doing there is i'm offering to my, to my own inner being, if you like, my own inner wisdom. And a lot of the time, probably, you know, let's say 50% of the time, mm. something happens and it's like, ah, oh, you know, ah, oh, I see how I was, I was caught up in a wrong way of seeing. I mean, let me give you an example, which very early on in, the, in this journey of mine, when I first started playing with this, I was having a, you know, one of those challenging times with my partner and she wasn't, doing what I would, you know, that sort of thing. And we'd been a couple of days in sort of like, yeah, and she was in her room and I, I was working at my desk. And I suddenly thought, let's just try this. Just pause and just ask, is there another way of seeing this? Mm. And instead of seeing all that stuff, the judgments of why she was wrong, blah, 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 what instantly came to mind was, ah, here is another human being, you know, navigating mm. her way through life, dealing with me and all my stuff and instantly love returned we'd been sort of out of love for a couple of days suddenly love returned it was like ah and i let go of all these things i was holding against her and then i could see what i needed to do which is just basically say hey you know have yes. a good conversation and let go of this so the point here is 
deep inside, we know what is right in terms of what's going on, behavior. We, it, it's covered up by all mm. this, all our egoic thinking. And so the prayer is saying, you know, I could have been praying, you know, please, God, can you get her to see my way of seeing things? <laughs> <laughs> to, to be ready, to be ready, you know, superficial. <laughs> Instead, it's like just asking myself, just stepping back. Not, and what's important here is not to try to find an answer because that just gets the egoic mind involved again. It's just right. to pose the question, pause and wait and mm -hmm. see what happens. And by doing that, it's like we are allowing our own inner knowing to reveal itself. Mm, I love that. And, and so it's not like I'm, I'm putting the prayer out there hoping it will be heard. Of course it's being heard. It's being heard by myself. I am hearing my own prayer. Mm. And then the intervention, as I say, the intervention comes in my thinking. It's like, no, this, here's another way of seeing it. Which is, And when this happens, the other way of seeing is always... It's a much easier, more peaceful way. It's always a much more loving, compassionate way. And there's also always a sense of truth to it. It's like, why hadn't I seen this before? And the reason I hadn't seen it before, obviously, I was so caught up in all this stuff that was going on. And so, you know, we, that to me is, again, as, um, an indication I'm touching into that divine essence is as if the other way of seeing is something that's, let's say, more peaceful, more loving, and has that obviousness of truth to it. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. I love that. Um, as we're exploring consciousness, awareness, um, I think these days uh, the, the methodology or the practice or the use of uh, plant medicine mm -hmm. uh, in our culture has become more and more popular and yeah. uh, the shamanic experience. And um, I, I would love to, to know your thoughts on the use of plant medicine as plant medicine, ayahuasca, uh, San Pedro, Wachuma, you know, DMT, Bufo uh, seem to alter uh, one's, awareness, consciousness, and, you know, uh, many folks claim to have some enlightenment experience. Uh, I, know, I know a few friends that claim to be enlightened as a result of the experience. And so as we're talking about consciousness, um, what are your thoughts on plant medicine? Is it, is it uh, effective? Is it healthy? in terms of the way it alters or affects consciousness as a, um, I don't know, as, as a valid or authentic spiritual methodology? Yes. Um, again, no simple answer. Um, yes, it can be. It can be. Um, I think any, any of these medicines, if, in the right, taken in the right circumstances, particularly with the right sort of guidance. I think that is really important. These are not, you can, you can go out and party on them, but that's not what we're talking about. Right. With, the right, with the right sort of guidance, they can create an internal state where you can let go of the ego mind, that sense of individual self. And when you do, you can drop back into what we've been talking about. And you can, you can taste that, that, you know, how it is to be without that constructed sense of self 
you know, you can taste that peace, the lovingness, all these things we've been talking about. Um, as I say, with the right guidance. But for some, it's two things that for some, it's, you know, they, they get caught up in the experience. They're having this wonderful experience, ecstatic experience, and maybe, yes. maybe visions and other things, and even deep insights into, you know, the nature of reality, etc. These are all more experiences, and any experience is, is in a way distracting from coming back to just the self, the being mm. aware. Mm. So what often happens is people have these amazing experiences, like great insights, and think that that's it. That, that, that is certainly helpful. It's certainly part of the opening, part of the awareness. But ultimately, it's about can these things help you drop back from the normal sort of focused attention on something on some extent to just dropping back letting go of the ego mind and coming back to self mm. and that to me is if if that happens that is the real the real value of them mm. and then this, the thing here is that that isn't for most people i say oh, that isn't then a permanent thing it's mm. and this is yes. the way awakening is we have we have this it's like ah I have, you know, I, as somebody wants to put it, I have, I have touched the hem of God's robes. Right. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> ah, yes, I know what, it's like knowing, I, ah, I know what this is about. But now we come back. And for most of us, we have that memory mm. of how it was. And that memory is very useful. It's a motivation. It's like, ah, I want more of this. Now, one way of getting more of this is to go and do another session, then do another session, which can be helpful. But, the real way we get more of this is saying, ah, I tasted it. I know what it is. Now, how can I, what can I do in my life in terms of talking about earlier practice, letting go, that allows me to connect with this, to come back to this much more often in my daily life? I think that's where the real, the real work is. So yes, they can be um, a taste, they can be a motivation, but ultimately not to rely upon them to do the work for you. In the end, mm -hmm. we are we are the people who do the work. And I don't even like the word work. It's like it's remembering, remembering to in one way or another, whatever it is that brings us back to ourselves in mm -hmm. daily life. Mm. Beautiful. Got it. Got it. I love it. I love it. Um this is a question I've, 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 I have a couple more questions for you, Peter, and I, I just really loving this conversation. And, uh, we've, we've, we've covered a lot of terrain <laughs> we have. In, in a short period of time. There's a, there's a couple more I have for you while I have you here. Um, I've been curious, you know, in terms of how much control do we really have as human beings? Um, you know, the part of the spiritual path is sort of this, this idea of this, I, this sense of, um, self identification dissolving. Uh, and, and so in life, how much control do we have in this, this, this experience? You know, there, there's, there's one group of, teachings in, in sort of the self-empowerment field that's all about 
you create your reality and you make it happen and you can manifest whatever you think about, whatever you think about, you can make it happen with your consciousness, right? With your thoughts, with your thinking. Um, and there's another group that's like, well, it's all happening, right? And life is happening. You, if there's no doer, there's no you, it's just, it's just happening. Mm-hmm. And so um, I guess it's a conversation of what free will, destiny, like, mm-hmm. How much are we really in control to manifest our goals, dreams, and desires? And, you know, someone who's listening in might be like, I want to be a zillionaire. And, you know, this guru's self-empowerment guru is telling me I can follow these steps and make it happen. And i got to claim life by, you know, the horns. And uh, talk, talk to us about that. You do bring up the fundamental good questions, don't you? <laughs> yes. Ah, yes, yeah. I mean, this was a question, you know, I talked about my teenage years. When I was like 14, 15, I was fascinated with my fellow school kids, you know. Yeah. Is there free will or not? Free will determinism. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, everybody has this debate with themselves, I think, at some stage. Um, it's complex. I mean, first of all, you know, can do we create our own reality? Mm. There's a you know, there's part of I would say the main part of me says no, you know, the world, as you said, the world is happening, it is all happening, and mm. yet I I've had so many times the experience of how my intention can often lead to interesting synchronicities which do support my life. And so there, there is something going on here, which I don't understand. Mm. Um, and it seems to be doing to do with the, my own inner clarity. And it's you mentioned the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. I, you know, when I went mm-hmm. to India, I was studying with him. Mm, wow. and, and one of the things he always fascinated me when he wanted to know how we were doing in our meditation, he wasn't interested in, you know, were we seeing this or experiencing that, or even how much we were, you know, letting go of the self. Again and again, he would ask, are we noticing what he called increased support of nature? Mm. By which he really meant, you know, was there more synchronicity happening in our life? And his reasoning, I found fascinating. He said, when we're meditating, we're stepping out of the egoic thinking mind. And yes. our egoic thinking is, you know, basically what's wrong in the world. It's like that's where we interfere with the natural order of things. So by stepping out of our ego mind in meditation, we are actually supporting nature in the most fundamental way. We are removing you know the element in our thinking which gets in the way and causes problems so by Mm. meditating we are supporting nature in the most fundamental way and then he said and nature returns the favor by supporting us Mm. it's like wow but what i've noticed is when i've come off a meditation retreat and i'm really you know calm clear centered in myself so much synchronicity happens. It's like, it's unbelievable at times. I'm just fine. This happens or I'm led to this. When I'm frazzled and stressed, it doesn't happen. Mm. So there is, there's something going on there. And I notice, you know, sometimes I can use this even deliberately with intention and things. There's there's something going on there. But, so that's one side. And yet, 
you know, on the other side, you know, do do we? How much do we control things? Do we really have free will? Is the other yes. side? Yes. Do we really have free will? And I can see most of what goes on. You know, the appearance of free will. I think mostly is an illusion. And mm. for example, I go into a restaurant and I look at the menu and I choose what I'm going to eat. And I think I've made a free choice. Yes. You know, I look at the menu and first of all, you know, I'm not eating red meat. So that cuts out half of it. And then, you know, that I don't like the spicing, that something else, this I had yesterday and um, whatever it is. And finally, <laughs> but the, the, finally, the decision-making process settles on one thing. But that decision-making process is conditioned by all my past and everything. Yes, I think I've made a free choice. Mm. What really happened was my mind made a decision, and I wasn't aware of the outcome or what it was going to be until it happened. So I think mm. that's what's going on a lot of the time. And that's just one example. However... I think there is one area in which I do have free choice, which for me is the most powerful area of all, which is I can choose not to follow a particular thought. That I really feel I have choice over. It's when I notice I am hmm. caught up in um, worrying about something, you know, something I'm worrying about, something that might happen, you know, I've got to speak to someone tomorrow, you know, what might I say or not say? I can choose not to follow that thought anymore. Mm. And that to me is a choice I can make. And that is probably the most fundamental choice we can make in our life. When we see we're caught up in fear, whatever it is, something, the ego mind has got hold of us. We can actually choose not to follow that thought anymore. Mm. And we can, and by doing that, we, we, you know, we're coming back to what we've been talking about, the, the sense of inner equanimity, etc. But also we're, we're changing our lives because if we follow the thought, you know, if I'm fearful about something or angry about something, I follow that thought that may lead me to do certain things which I'll later regret or I've then got to start working out what to do. If I choose not to follow the thought, that then is the way I exercise power over my own life mm. Mm. and that to me is where is where choice lies yes it's, it's basically coming back to something we we're talking about earlier attention we're saying the spotlight of awareness is i can choose where the attention is you know i can choose whether what to look at i can choose what to feel i can i can make choices about where the attention is what is happening may not be under my direction so i may be you know looking at a tree what the tree is doing is nothing to do with my intention or anything but i can direct my attention to the tree or somewhere else mm -hmm. and in the same way we can direct our attention into a thought or we can choose to take our attention away from a thought to not follow it anymore to not be interested in it i mean again the focus of attention is what we are interested in and so we can choose to change our interest to no longer be interested in following this particular thought train to let it go mm -hmm. so that to me is where the real free choice lies in where we place our attention Beautiful. I, I want to tag just just for some 
I guess, clarification, but tagging on question is it, it, it's, it's two pieces connected to what you're saying is what about someone who, so, so I'm hearing you say we can choose the, in terms of what we follow, where we follow, the thoughts we, yeah. we choose to follow. Um, but let's say someone, and I give two, two, two scenario or examples, right. is, is um, they say, yes, Peter, but, but I, I have these compulsive thoughts, right? They're, they're just addictive. And, and you tell me I can choose, but just I can't stop them. So, so they just keep, you know, going and maybe it leads to panic attack or, or what have you. So, so it just, the thoughts that just seem a bit overwhelming. So that's, that's kind of one thing I want you to hold. And, and the other one is, uh, Peter, let's say someone who, yeah, for lack of better terms, might be schizophrenic in some way. Right. And, and mm-hmm. their thoughts are just, doing whatever they're doing. So, so what about in those two scenarios? What, what can someone do and what's going on in the sort of schizophrenic or mental illness, mental right. illness scenario? Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, first of all, what we've been talking about generally here is, you know, people who don't have, you know, serious mental illness. Um, yes. it's, when you, when, when there is serious mental illness, there's, there's other, you know, there's treatments. Who knows what it may, sure. may therapy, medication. Who knows? But even so, let's take the first one of you know the compulsive, you know, these compulsive thoughts you can't get rid of. It's not about getting rid of that pattern. It's more about in the moment. So if you, ha- you know, if you're some compulsion, you just can't. This thought keeps coming back. It's when it's there, when you notice the thought is there. In that moment, choosing not to follow it anymore. Just we can. My experience is we can always choose in the moment not to follow it, and we do that by coming back to here I am right now mm. in the moment. Now it may, you know, five seconds later it may come back. It's not about getting rid of that thought completely or never having it again. Mm. It's it's this practice of in the moment, in the moment, choosing not to follow it. And even if it's just, you know, a second or two, by doing that, we're coming back to, ah. Mm. And then the thought comes back or another thought comes back. But as part of, part of that practice, we can be stepping out of it and just, mm. just coming back to being more in, more in touch with ourselves. And it's about when we do that, we let the mind relax. Um, and, you know, this is, as I said, you know, if that's a serious problem, we you know, anybody who has it is going to need help in other ways, yes. whatever, whatever it is, other sort of help to see what's at the root of it, etc. But still in the moment, we can still make that choice in that moment, mm. not, to, not to follow it at that time. And yeah, with something like a schizophrenia, you know, to be honest, I... I haven't experienced that myself, as far as I know. Um, uh-huh. So I don't know. I don't really feel qualified to say how this would work or not in that state. I would, I, all I would suggest is to you know someone who had that to to experiment and to, to explore whether you do have that choice to not follow that thought in the moment, in that moment. Yes, got it. Ah, oh, Peter. 
uh, so much. This conversation has been so rich. Uh, the question I love to just close with, with pretty much all of my guests, is if you were to reflect on your life and everything you've been through in your life, ups, downs, relationships, work, career, everything you've learned, and maybe you were to extract the three most uh, valuable or important life lessons that if you feel you could only share these lessons uh, with the next generation, uh, the most important things to share with the next generation that would evolve the consciousness of the next generation the most, you know, your children, grandchildren, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what would the three Peter Russell life lessons be that you'd like to share with everyone? What comes up? Yes. A very simple one. I mean, sure. it's, it's don't worry. Ah. Don't worry. Um it's really something again we've been touching on and it was that you know famous i think it came from maya baba but then don't worry be happy it's, right our worrying takes us away from our natural happiness so it's very simple to say don't worry because we're going to worry about lots of things i do but again it's coming back to what we're talking about is pausing the thought mm. when you notice her mm. worrying just pausing mm. just pausing not not to worry in the moment um, so that that's that's the first thing because worrying takes us nowhere. It does. I mean, it's useful to think about things. I'm not saying don't try and work out what to do, don't plan. All of that is very important. What makes us human is that unnecessary stuff going round and round and round, which is usually a repeat of what we worried about yesterday. That stuff is getting us nowhere. But ordinary good thinking, working things out, assessing things. That's that's really important, makes us human. The second thing is what um, what we again talked about earlier has been so important for me, this question of is there another way of seeing things to realize most of the time when we're stuck is because we're stuck in a certain point of view, a certain interpretation, a certain way of seeing things. And that's really been an important lesson for me in my life, just mm -hmm. to just to pause and ask, is there, is there another way of looking at this? Is there another way of looking at this? The other thing is, we talked about letting go, is I reframe letting go as letting in and letting be, try, rather than trying to get rid of something. And so it's for me, it's coming back to letting in what, letting in what we're feeling in the body. In, mm. You know, I think particularly in our culture, you know, people say, oh, we're not in touch with our feelings. And I know I wasn't and still to a large degree. You know, there's lots of areas there I need to explore more. Mm. But when we talk about letting in our feelings, I thought, first of all, it's like, OK, you know, noticing what I'm feeling. But it's like letting in the feelings in the body. Whenever there's some feeling, there's something going on in the body. Yes. You know, if, you're feeling, if you're feeling angry, you know, a sense of tension. If you're feeling fear, there's a sense of wanting to pull back, almost to run away. If you're feeling sad, there can be a sense of you know, heaviness in the chest or something. And it's different for everybody, but whatever it is, to notice what is going on in the body, to notice what are you actually feeling mm. physically? What are you actually feeling physically? And that, that, to me, is the doorway to really opening up to what is going on, what we're feeling what's happening because what we tend to do is 
ignore it. We tend to get on with what we've got to do. Oh, I've got this feeling of, I'm feeling slightly anxious, but anyway, I've got to do this, I've got to meet this, I've got to do this. Just to find time to say, okay, what does that anxiety feel like in the body? It's like, oh, and it's fascinating. Normally we just don't notice it. We push it to the back of our mind, but we start discovering, oh, oh, there's a sense of, of tightness here in the chest or something. Oh, there's this. And or my, you know, even in my head, I feel something. And the more we just open up to the feeling, mm-hmm. for me, the more I get an insight into what is actually going on. And then with that insight, I can see, you know, what changes I need to make in my life. Mm, beautiful. So don't worry. Uh, is, is, is there is there another way of seeing things and letting go, letting in, noticing what's going on in the body? That's noticing pretty, what's going, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, Peter, I honestly, I, I've I've so long respected you and uh, uh, valued your work and been touched by your work over the years, and so it's such a joy to have you on Soul Talk, just so freely sharing your wisdom. Uh, with us all today. Just want to thank you, folks, as you're listening in. This is the amazing Peter Russell. Uh, his new book, Letting Go of Nothing, Relax Your Mind and Discover the Wonder of Your True Nature. I thoroughly encourage you to buy the book on Amazon, check it out, share it with your friends, uh, share this interview with with everyone you know and check out his work. Uh, Peter, what's the best way people can find out about you, the best website about you and your work? Um my main website is just very simple. It's peterrussell.com with two L's on Russell, else you end up somewhere else. But it's okay. peterrussell.com. And I've got lots of writings up there, lots of videos, lots of audios and other exercises and meditations. It's something, yes, it's got most of me is up there on that website, peterrussell.com. Amazing, folks. peterrussell.com. Uh, check out the website. We'll put all of the links in the show notes. Uh, Peter, I'm actually staring at your website right now. It says your age is 27,456 days, I think. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I love that. I love that. So, again, thank you for coming on. Uh, folks, this was an amazing conversation. Uh, send me an email, kublaxon at kublaxon.com. Let me know your key takeaways from this amazing conversation with Peter Russell, author of Letting Go of Nothing his new book. I'll be checking it out. Check it out. Let me know how you enjoy his book as well. A homework assignment as you go uh, back into your life. Sit with the question that Peter asked uh, throughout your life. Is there another way? Ask yourself, you know, throughout the day, is there another way of seeing things when you're in in relating to someone or in a situation? And uh, share this episode, folks. I'll catch you in next week's episode of Soul Talk. Sending you love, everyone. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.